Welcome to The Breakdown. I'm your host, Isaac Mateus. I'm here with Stephen and Johnny. In our show, The Breakdown, we seek to equip students and parents with a biblical framework, practical wisdom, and resources so they would further their relationship with Jesus Christ and further the mission of God. Guys, let's get started with the show. What's going on, everybody? Um, we're back. It's been It's been a little bit, I feel like. For some reason, I feel like it's been longer than it has. Just all the stuff going on. It's crazy. Um, usually, you know, I'm a, I, I, I do a, a funny intro, um, but the kind of the topic at hand is pretty serious, um, and, and I don't want to make light of it. Uh, we don't want to make light of it. Um, we want to kind of have a, a pretty frank conversation, an honest conversation about some of the things that are going on in the world right now um, as, as it pertains to, uh, to race and injustice. Um, so, no funny intro this week, but I will still welcome to the podcast, Stephen Moy, Johnny Peters, and a special guest, Eli Bird. What up? How are y'all doing? <laughs> We're doing all right, Eli. Glad yeah, man. I'm doing good this morning. Good, good. Everybody had their coffee this morning? Mm-hmm. Good. I did not. I woke up late. It's all good. So... On the docket, on the agenda today, yeah, you have your coffee right here. You can have some. You want me to drink after you? I'm just offering. Okay, for you to have it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, this is this is what it's normally like, man. Listen, it's all good. I love it. I love it. So on the docket today, we want to talk a little bit about how the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we really believe that the gospel is this important thing that changes your life and that should change every part of who you are and how you view the world. We want to talk about how the gospel affects our view and where we stand and, and how we think about sort of all the things that are going on about how all these different cultures, all these different communities are standing up, protesting for justice. Um, and so we kind of, kind of want to get into that and how the gospel relates to that. So, I mean, if somebody wants to jump in, you let me know. Yeah, so um, so I'll, I'll jump in and just say, um, man, the gospel uh, can speak into every area of life and uh, racism and racial equality and reconciliation um, is certainly one of those areas in which we should uh, speak the truth of the gospel um, into, into that situation that we can see people um, changed by the hope that's offered in the gospel. And also uh, for those of us that, that have already placed our faith in Christ, so we can uh, better uh, be able to minister to those who are hurting, uh, to those who are grieving, um, and so that we can grieve alongside of them and, and hurt alongside of them uh, be, because of uh, the blood of Christ that unites us, right? So, um, so excited about this episode, uh, excited to talk about the gospel, racial reconciliation, and um, how we can uh, minister to, to our neighbors. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, so it's interesting that kind of with all these things happening, um, there's been a lot of different communities, businesses, groups of people that are all taking a stand and saying, hey, this is wrong. You know, I've seen uh, anywhere from like, I don't know, like Apple and like, uh, it, it seems like anything I, anything I, like any website I go to, there's a tab, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, here's a way to support, you know, 
it's definitely, there's a lot of things that are making people aware of what's going on. Um, and so, and even with that, I've seen a lot of churches, a lot of churches that, and, and pastors that I, that I follow, that, that I really enjoy and seeing their position on it and things like that. Um, so I kind of want to get at kind of the heart of it, right? So there's, there's sort of this, there is a, a prejudice towards people of a certain skin color. Um, so I kind of want to talk about as we, obviously it's all, it's not all bad, but there is definitely a lot of bad things happening. And so kind of want to get your, your perspective on, cause I think, so this is, this is just something that came to mind, right? As I, as I scroll through my social media page, it's interesting that I find that a lot of people feel the need to post about this particular topic at this particular time that I've never seen them post about this particular topic, this, you know, and then I also find that there's a whole category of people that are meaning really well, but I think are actually, uh, not very, like not being very helpful. I don't know if you've noticed that, but like, so some of the things like, and I don't, I'm not trying to get up all into like the weird politics of it all, but like, so like, the, the big statement right now is Black Lives Matter, right? And so then I'm seeing pastors that, you know, are, are really nice guys that I know personally, and they're like, yeah, but all lives matter. Yeah. And then they'll write, like, a little post about it. And it's like, I don't know if that's helping the situation. I don't know if, like, at least for me, I don't think they're really understanding kind of what's going on. Yeah, yeah so I, I look at statements in response <clears throat> to the Black Lives Matter hashtag or claim. Sure. That are like, well, what about abortion, right? All lives matter. Blue lives matter. Man, personally, the, the people I know that are being very vocal about black lives matter, they would say, absolutely, man. Abortion is an important issue that we should talk about. Uh, police officers and, and protecting them as they seek to serve and protect our communities is an important thing. And, and we, we 100% agree with that. But, man, what's the pressing issue right now? So if you respond to somebody that's hurting and, and is talking about Black Lives Matter by saying, well, what about abortion? Man, at best, it's ignorant. Sure. It, it's, it's ignoring their, their hurt. At worst, it's seeking to silence them as they're speaking out in, in their grief. Um, so absolutely, abortion is important. Absolutely, all lives matter. Uh, but what's the pressing issue right now, right? So as we seek to... Uh, hurt with and grieve with our, our brothers and sisters of color that are grieving and hurting right now. Um, responding by saying all lives matter is, is uh, while, while it's true, it's, uh, it's not being sensitive to, to uh, how they're feeling right now. At least that's my perspective on it. Yeah, yeah. so I'll jump in. This is Eli speaking. Um, man, the Lord has had to do a, a, a major work in my heart, even in this season. Uh, the first time I heard about George Floyd being murdered, I uh, I'm, I was looking for a house, and I had no idea as to what was going on. So I got a text from a friend. He he texts me. He says, "I love you," and I'm like, "Bro, what's wrong with you?" Because <laughs> I'm like, "You never text me. You love me, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, "I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm frustrated. All this stuff." And uh, I'm like, "What is going? on? Why are you in your feelings, bro? Like, what's happening?" And so. He texts George Floyd. So I look up Google George Floyd and I, I see, you know, this guy's been murdered, hands of the cops. I immediately went to another brother who's black and I said, yo, like, I feel like I'm desensitized. Like, I, I've, I've seen a lot of black folks getting killed in my day and I'm only in my 30s, right? So I'm like, it's another one. 
mind you, man, elections is coming up, right? So, yeah, you got that theory and argument out there, too. And so I, I, I'm like, yo, I need prayer. I need help because I should not be desensitized to a man's life being taken from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever reason, when it comes to people that look like me, this is all I see, you know? And so I, I then began to tell him about our, our mutual friend who texted me, said, bro, I love you. And I'm like, yo, like, why he text me that? Like, you know, like him, him texting me, I love you. Okay, what about a week or two weeks after this situation? What about next year? Like, do you really, like, do you really love me? You know, like, you text me now with this situation. I had no idea. You know, like, so one of the things that the Lord has, has convicted me of is, you know, as a believer, one of the things that I have to be mindful of is that we're in a process of sanctification, mm-hmm. right? Um, as a believer, we're not all at the same place when it comes to different issues and topics and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Which Ephesians 4 says that we equip the saints for the work of the ministry until we're all built up, right, into the unity and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we're all at different different places, different levels, if you will. And so while I'm sitting here wanting to bash, I mean, Johnny, I even, I told you, like, when you text me about what you wanted to, to write, man, I, I judged you. I judged what you wrote. Like, I bashed you. Um, and then I had to sit back and think, like, but, like, I know Johnny's heart. Hmm. Like, what was said initially didn't, I'm like, man, that doesn't sound like you care, you know, in some sense. And of course, I'm talking out of my emotions, and that's not necessarily helpful. Um, but I'm like, man, you know, Johnny's been wanting to say something for a long time. Mm. Johnny's adopted black kids. Like, Johnny's been wanting to. Say. So for me to sit there and then start casting this judgment, I had to realize, man, as believers, in, in a lot of instances and situations and circumstances, we have to be willing to take the blow, which is difficult. It's hard um, because, man, our Savior took the blow, mm. right? Like, he didn't deserve to die at all. He didn't deserve to take on our sin, but he took that blow so that we could be, right? So I was talking to a lady not too long ago. She's Mexican. And um, as as we're getting in the conversation, she's like, yo, all these protests, this is horrible. This is just bad, like, Christians shouldn't be out there doing all this stuff. And uh, she's talking about the people that speak to her at work, which are all black people, mostly black people, I'll say that, that are like, yo, like, you being Mexican, you know they, they sending people back to Mexico, right? Do you have your papers? She's like, I'm an American citizen. Like, I was born in Texas. Mm-hmm. For her, this woman's hurt. Mm-hmm. So this situation has been brought up, and, and it's getting a lot of public attention but there's a lot of hurt that she's going through. And so as she talks about this thing, it brings up these emotions and this pain and this hurt that's going on within her. And it's like, yo, like, while I want to help her see what's going on right now, like, I'm not even seeing what's happening with her, you know? And so I'm like, yeah, I just need to shut up. <laughs> I just need to take it. I just, I need to hear her out so that we can minister to her, you know? Um, and that's something I feel like the Lord has, has really put on me in this time, um, because yes, right? Like, yeah, I can look at folks and be like, yo, you haven't said anything up until this point. Now all of a sudden, because it got all this publicity, now you want to say something? 
And man, I had to talk to every so everybody that messaged me that's white. <laughs> I had to go to them all and say, you know what? Listen, I was wrong in my judgments of you. I didn't have to do that, but I wanted them to see like nobody's free from our sin. Mm. So I had to go to all of them, and as I talked to each and every one of them, I'm like, man, I'm the idiot, <laughs> right? My dude that texted me, he was like, bro, like I, I know him, like I know him. He's been a pastor before. He's man, this dude is all about God's mission. He loves everybody. Like for me to come out like that was was really off base, you know. Um, I know you, Johnny, you know, like, and we've had these conversations plenty of times. Another lady uh, emailed me. She put herself on the line because she's in a really uh, strategic position uh, and she did not have to do what she did, but she did it. So when I, I sit in her office and I'm talking to her and she says, you know, what? I, I didn't send this to you for you to respond. <laughs> I did this because the Lord has really put on my heart. I have been silent for so long mm-hmm. and I should I shouldn't be. So while I'm sitting here as a black man judging my white brothers and sisters, and I'm saying brothers and sisters because they're all believers, I'm judging their actions of them saying something, though it's not to the standard by which I think it should be. Man, these brothers and sisters are being convicted from the Lord to do something. That's right. And they're moving in that conviction. And I need to applaud that. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of times we say we convicted about something, we don't do anything. <laughs> That's problematic, mm-hmm. right? If the Lord has convicted us to do something, we should do it and by way of his Holy Spirit, he gives us grace to do it, right? So I can look at a certain brother or sister and judge and that type of deal, but it's like, don't you know that Christ died for them and he's the one who's able to keep them standing in the day of judgment? Like, you need to watch your mouth, you know? Okay. Um, so I, I, I get this, and um, it is a reality, though, right? Sure. There are things that are said that, man, that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to be mindful when you say those things. You, you need to be ready to take the blow, uh, because people are going to respond and probably going to respond out of frustration, out of hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, man, you're not hearing me. You don't care about me. You're trying to silence me. This is a microaggression. Like, yeah. I get it, right? Um, but when it comes to believers, I, I think we all need to have this posture of, I need to be willing to take the blow sure. in light of the fact that my Savior took the blow for me. Yeah. Right? So, Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's well, well put for sure. Because I think... Um, like these people that I'm seeing on Facebook and stuff like that or social media, like I know these guys and they're not bad dudes. They're not trying to make light of the situation. I think the, I think one of the, so one of the things that the Lord had convicted me of when all this kind of was going down is that, man, Isaac, you don't need to be vocal. You need to be silent and you need to make sure you know what, when you are vocal, you need to make sure you know what you're talking about. So like for me, I dude, I, I watched you know, I listen to podcasts, TED Talks, documentaries, uh, videos, articles. Like, I just, I, I felt like I was informed, but I wanted to make sure that I was informed. I wanted to make sure I had a good grasp of what I was actually, like, all these things that people were saying, all these, like, so that's, and I think, honestly, that's where the place of, like, where, where this, this term Black Lives Matter, and then everybody's like, well, all lives matter. I think that's out of ignorance, because they don't mm-hmm. understand what that means. Mm-hmm. They're just assuming that, like, Black Lives Matter is, like, associated with, like, black power and, like, you know, that's... But Black Lives Matter seem to... It doesn't just mean for black lives. It means for all lives, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so it's just interesting. So, like, for me, I think the Lord convicted me a lot of just being humble and listening and stopping, like, 
to close my mouth and stop to just, instead of giving my opinion, just listening to what everyone else is saying and then seeing, okay, do I, man, do I agree with that? Do I disagree with that? Mm -hmm. What does the Bible say about that? Mm -hmm. Does the scriptures, man, does it convict me in that sort of way Mm -hmm. that I could, I could, I could hold to that position. And so I think listening is such a big part of this. Mm -hmm. I think, and unfortunately, I think sometimes we struggle with that. We struggle a lot with listening, but listening is such a big part of just anything, any dialogue that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that with that being said, right, with sort of tying it to the scriptures, I kind of want to talk about the idea of racial reconciliation uh, as being a major thread within the scriptures, mm-hmm. because it is. Um, having this, having the juxtaposition of, of the Jews and the Gentiles as sort of being always in conflict, mm-hmm. and then in, in Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 3, you know, talking about the mystery that in Christ, that dividing wall between Jew and Gentile mm-hmm. is now torn down. Yeah. So I kind of want to talk about that, because I think it's unfortunate that some people feel like this is not, like racial reconciliation, social justice, those things are not part of the gospel. Mm-hmm. They're not in the scriptures that we're just becoming like hippies or whatever. Mm. Like I've heard that argument. And so I kind of just want to talk a little bit about your thoughts, y'all's thoughts on on that thread as it, as it pertains to what's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so before we jump into that, um, I wanted to note something that both you, Isaac, and, and Eli were talking about with listening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as, as a white male, right, let me encourage my white brothers and sisters now is the time to listen, to learn, lament, and love, hmm. right? And, and that, those, that thought process is not original to me, so I don't want to take credit for that. But uh, we need to listen, right? There's, there's a valid argument that our brothers and sisters of color are trying to make right now. We need to take time to listen so that we can learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we need to lament Um, our own prejudices. We need to lament um, the fact that sin uh, has has allowed uh, racial divide to happen. Uh, We need to lament the injustice that's going on, and we need to take time to love, um, to love uh, by ministering to our brothers and sisters. We need to love by uh, sharing the gospel and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ with everybody that's around us. Um, So listen, learn, lament, and love. And then um, talking about racial, racial reconciliation and, and what the Bible has to say. Um, you know, Acts 17, 26, uh, which I'll go ahead and read real quick. Um, Paul is writing, and he says this. He says, and he, talked about God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. And so from this biblical truth that Paul is writing about, uh, we can understand that there is actually only one race. There's just many cultures and many expressions of cultures. And so, um, right, we can even trace back, right, Adam and Eve, right? If, if Adam and Eve, if we take a literal uh, account of creation, which, which is my personal com- conviction, Adam and Eve were the original created humans. And from them, everybody came, right? So, so there is one race. If we trace everything back to Adam and Eve, if we take what Paul's writing here in Acts, um, uh, as, as what Paul is saying here in, in Acts, um, as, as the truth, which, again, I believe it is, uh, there is only one race, right? He made from one man every nation 
of mankind. So there's only one race, but there's many cultures. So reconciliation, then, if, if there's only one race, reconciliation is something um, that is uh, is a good thing to strive for, right? So I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Sure. Gotcha. Um, I'm going to jump back to something that Isaac said. Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to get into this portion. The thing that you said, uh, you mentioned, and you didn't camp out there, but I want to I highlight it. You said you felt like it's time for you to listen, and you took responsibility on yourself to go learn, right? Um, I know some folks, man, I'll tell you the truth. I haven't talked about this as much uh, in any other circumstance than in this one about this race stuff. And to be honest, man, folk get tired. <laughs> like I know black folk that are tired of having to rehash or have to explain our experiences or have to talk about these things. Um, so folks are like, man, like, can you do your own research? <laughs> like, uh, we have to sit in schools where we have to learn about people that, you know, we don't really agree with. Like, can you just take time to and really to, to take it to the word? Like in Proverbs, it talks about the importance of seeking understanding. Like, that's huge. Uh, so to practice this thing of, OK, I have this situation circumstances before me. I need to take time and do hard work to study to study what's going on so that I can then begin to formulate my own thoughts and opinions about this. And as I look at God's word, man, the faith that he wants to give me, it gets formulated and convicted within me. So I want to commend you in that. And I want to, I wanted to highlight that for everybody. It's not just for whites. You learn about blacks or, you know, everybody else learn about blacks. We need to be doing this in all situations and circumstances. Like we could also talk about the COVID situation, like inform yourself, people like <laughs> we need to be looking, doing the work ourselves and not just taking what's being thrown out there at us. Um, the, the facts are there to go look like their websites. There are speeches that have the entire speech uh, written out for you to go look like do some work. I mean, it's hard work. But do the work so that you can speak accurately to this um, and that you can seek understanding um, to get to the passage that you brought up in Acts 17. Um, in our English translation, it says race, uh, but it's actually blood. Mm -hmm. And so there's something that's interesting there. Race is a uh, social construct that came very recently. And I say within the past 100, 150 years of, of something that was constructed by us as people. Um, it's always been that there's one blood. Right? So mm -hmm. from one blood, all these different nationalities, these different ethnicities, these different cultures have come into being. Um, so there's that. Um, I also wanted to say that, um, you know, when we when we look at that passage in Ephesians and it says that you have Jews and Gentiles, um, when we think about like we're thinking about, oh, these are two different races. That's not actually right. So you have Jews uh, who you could say if, if they were just Hebrews, the people of God, that's one race. But within the Gentiles, there are a swath of many different, quote unquote, races, right? Mm -hmm. um, what the Lord is getting after is, man, there are people that he has wanted to bring into his own possession that he's talked, you know, he's, he's worked through. And we see that all of Israel's history in the Old Testament. Um, but for them, they're like, everybody else is not God's people. So they're out there. Um, but he says, no, when Christ died, he, he tore down that wall of hostility. 
to make one man out of two different men, right? So it's not two different races. It's two different kinds of people, people that are the people of God and people that are not. And so I definitely want us to understand what's going on because, um, you know, within the church, man, we are a unified body. We are one. And I don't want us to think, oh, well, we're just going to be one with the world, too. No, that's that's <laughs> no, we're not supposed to be one with the world. But for those who trust in Christ, man, those who were in the world and now are not in the world, man, they are brothers and sisters within Christ. And so um, this idea of reconciliation, man, we've been reconciled one to God, um, but then being reconciled to each other. Uh, Dr. Ken Keithley, he is a professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He does a lot on creation and DNA. And he I mean, he actually put out not too long ago. Just the idea that there are actually more um, similarities in genes with people of different "quote unquote" races, which is like, man, if you if you if you look into that, like that's that's huge uh, as a physical manifestation of this truth that we see in the, the scriptures. Um, there isn't much difference between us. He actually said there could be some, there could be more difference between two black people than it is between a black person and a white person. So. We, we, we have to understand God's created order in the reality of what is um, and stop shying away from it. But Yeah, and, and to your point, Eli, First um, Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right. a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. And so when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, Amen. it is the blood of Jesus that unites us Absolutely. where there is no black, there is no white, there is no, uh, there's no uh, Latino. There is only somebody that has been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. So there is no race. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, uh, and I, I, and it's interesting that the, even, even in like Galatians, for example, Galatians yes. two, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a interesting passage of Peter being called out by Paul. Like, Hey, why don't you sit with the, with the Gentiles when you eat? Mm-hmm. Peter's like, that's crazy. <laughs> Cause like, that's the thing. Peter's been chilling with the boys, you know, chilling mm-hmm. with the Gentiles. And then like, some Jewish brothers come through and he's like, man, that's tough. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably not going to eat with y'all like that. Mm-hmm. And so like Paul is like that, that's not okay. Cause there's no distinction. Like that's the thing. And so uh, I want to, I do want to kind of get into sort of the Genesis portion of this and the kind of the talk about this, because as you bring up, man, there, there's not really like race is not really a thing in the scriptures. It's, it's cause we're, we're all we have the same blood. We're all of the the same blood. I want to talk about like being an image bearer mm. as it relates to this issue, right? Mm. Because I think a lot of people are crying out because they want justice, mm-hmm. and so then it's like I think a big question is like, well, why should we care? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not hurting you. Right. I think that's like a lot of people's position, like taking a very individual stance, like, well, Mm. I'm not racist. Mm. So this is not an issue or Mm. I'm not racist. So what do you want me to do about it? I love all people. I love like it. It's very individualistic. So I want to talk about like how we should respond, understanding the scripture and what it tells us about the image of God Mm. and why we should respond. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll jump. I'll jump in here. My boy Steven. I'm being quiet. I'm being quiet. Uh, which is not typical for me on the podcast. Uh, I told I told everybody I was going to be quiet because uh, they give me a hard time for talking too much already. Um, I, I, you, All right, your you time's bring over. Up some no, great, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kidding, time's up. Um, you guys bring up some great points, and I love all of it. Um, I'm I'm both uh, humbled and convicted uh, by listening to to you guys, and think, man, I got a lot to work on in my own life. And um, I think this is all very interesting when we talk about uh, Genesis and um, the fact that we all come from the same blood, uh, and you know, every person individually. Uh, is to bear the image of God, and they do just by existing. We're, we're made in His image and His likeness, which separates mankind from the rest of creation. Um, and, you know, I think some to, to your earlier point, you know, you got people that say, well, all lives matter, and I think they are basing, you know, those statements off of things like this, where all lives do matter, like that's actually a thing. Um, however, you know, I think sometimes we miss uh, kind of what's really going on behind the scenes, and mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's really going on behind the scenes is not a case for, uh, you know, nobody's arguing for no lives matter or th- anything like that, or one life matters more than another. Um, and so I think some of those statements are sometimes made out of ignorance by, you know, we miss what's really going on, uh, you know. And so, uh, anyway, uh, early on in Genesis, you have this where all, all people then, starting with Adam and Eve, are made in the image and likeness of God, which means... There is no one person that's made more better, if I can say it that way. I was was homeschooled, you know. Uh, There's there's none that was made better than another one Mm. as far as them being in the image of likeness. Because they have blood um, that is human, they are made in the image. And so we cannot and should not stand for um, any abuse to any human, any... Uh, murder of any human that is wrong and that is, you know, against uh, God's law and God's order and God's plan and His design. And so anytime we do things that are sinful towards another person, it is wrong. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is sinful. And sinful then, uh, sinful behavior is deserving of death, uh, according to the Scripture. And so we all should die, of course. I mean, all of us should already be dead because we've all sinned. Uh, we've blown it, and that that leads into like the grace and mercy of the Lord that we are so grateful for, um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, there's a, a plethora of issues uh, that we could jump into, you know, at this point. But uh, going back to the issue of of racism and this divide that plagues our country, um, you know, it is just absolutely wrong to look at a, another person and see them as less valuable than somebody mm-hmm. else. Um, all people should be held with a, a sense of value uh, that is, uh, it should be not just a sense of value, it should be a very high sense of value because they're made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, so anyway, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, and, and so I, I think, I think we've, we've all kind of hit around this, right, where um, we're recognizing um, sin, right? Yeah. This, this is not a, it's not a, uh, social issue as much as it is a sin issue, right? That expresses itself uh, in a social way, right? So um, so uh, <clears throat> I made this statement earlier uh, before we started recording, and, and we kind of interacted with it a little bit. But if sin is the cause of this injustice, if sin is the cause of racism, then the only cure for racism is the gospel, right? If sin is the cause, 
the solution is always the gospel. And so um, I, I wanted to take, take some time for us to interact with, with that statement a little bit um, about how the gospel uh, applies to racism. You just, just taking my transitions. That's yeah, why I'm sorry. That's Isaac. I, I, I'm just excited about I was this just part, listening. So. I was just wanting to hear a little bit about the Imago Day, And then, I, trust me, Johnny, I, hey. you got to just trust, just trust me. Isaac, I'm going to take it back to the just Imago trust me. Day. Just trust me. If that's cool. All right, <laughs> just, take just, back trust me. just trust me. Uh, because it ties into this sin issue, right? So I, I do want to give some uh, respect to some of those out there who will talk about this image of God being marred, right? So in that Genesis passage, we have that God made man and female in his image, right? To be his image bearers. Well, then we get to <clears throat> Genesis I want to say it's chapter, uh, it's actually chapter five, right? And this was brought up to me. You have Adam, right? After he sinned, it says that Adam was 130 years old when he fathered a son in his likeness, according to his image and named him Seth. So some people will bring up the reality that now Adam has began to father his children, his descendants in his sinful image and his sinful nature, right? Um, but then we got to get to chapter nine uh, and looking at the reality of what God is, is saying to this covenant to Noah. Um, nine verse six, it says, and he's talking about human life. Like He says, whoever sheds blood by humans, his blood will be shed for God made humans in his image. Um, so I, I wanted to give some kind of nuance to this because I know like as believers, we say we need to respect all lives. Because all lives are made in the image of God. Uh, but the reality of sin that's come into our world and our lives, people don't do that. Right. right? So you have people that think, oh, that black dude, he's only three-fifths of a human. Wow. That's a tough statement. Like, you think that I'm three-fifths? Really? Yeah. I know I, there's a guy that I listened to who said, uh, you know, you say I'm three-fifths, but I, you forgot the other two-fifths is God. And it's like, well, that's that's a little strong, but but I mean, my my guy has to get something right. Like, you say I'm three fifths of a human. You have others that think, you know, you get this this philosophical thing that has come from Nietzsche, stash on fleet. Like he got a massive stash, but he thinks this superhuman, right, where Superman came from. Like you have this race where they're bigger and stronger in the process of elimination with nature and all that stuff. The strongest will survive. Well, those that aren't strong get. They need to get off the face of the planet, mm. which Hitler took his philosophy, jacked it up, and we have the Holocaust, right? Um, and you want to say that, that children, you want to talk about abortion, right? You think, well, well, a child is not a child until it reaches this age so we can mm. kill them. Are you kidding me? Like, yes, all lives matter. <laughs> uh, but God made us to be in his image. Now, the reality is, as believers, it says that Christ is the image of the invisible God. So when we put our trust, faith, uh, and hope in him, man, now we are in the one who is the image, right? And so by giving us his Holy Spirit, we can actually see people the right way, right? You have Jonah who didn't see people the right way, and the right. Lord had to deal with him. Right. And we still don't know, did he get it right? Like, what's <laughs> <laughs> You know, we just sitting in that. Um, but for those of us who are believers, it's like, like Jonah, you were wrong. Now, I know for others who, who are not, they're like, no, Jonah should be frustrated, right? There was nobody that came to the aid of Israel in Noah's time 
or in Jonah's time, not Noah's, I'm sorry, Jonah's time, Mm -hmm. the things that they were doing to his people were atrocious. So for him, no, they need to be wiped off the face of the planet. But the Lord says, I want you to go preach to them. Their sin has come before me. Their evil has come before me. We can look at the Hebrew in that. And it's like it, it can be translated as evil. It can be translated as misery. And you see both of those getting played out in that book where he says, uh, where Jonah does go and the king of Nineveh is like, we need to repent. Like, we need to stop sinning, get this evil out of us. But then at the end, the Lord is like, Jonah, you didn't care for this plant. Shouldn't I care for myriads, 120 myriads of people who don't know their left from their right? Mm. Some translations say left hand, right hand is like they could be kids because they don't know what's left and right. That's not what it says in the text. It just says left and right, meaning they don't know right from wrong. So operating out of their misery, they do things that are evil. And the Lord can see through all of that, right? Um, but but we, we get that jacked up. And so this sin issue is, is, is huge, it's prevalent, and, and we see it evident in our, in our lives. Uh, when you look at George Floyd, Brianna Taylor, you look at Ahmaud Avery, and that's just three of the most recent. Like, there's so many more. And not just black people, white people, Hispanic people. Let's talk about Native Americans. Let's talk about these babies, you know? So... We have an, a sin problem, um, and, and there needs to be a solution. And so that's where you wanted us to get to. Sure, yeah, I was about to. Talk. Let me, because yeah. you jumped the gun. It's okay, <laughs> it's okay, Pastor Johnny. It's I'm okay. sorry, I'm just excited. So, okay, so, okay, we have an idea. We, we've kind of, we've come to, like, understanding and being intentional about listening and hearing things. We've come to understanding what the Bible teaches about, man, what's the deal with race at all? What's the deal with the Imago Day? And now, okay. So we understand that there is injustice happening towards our black brothers and sisters or towards minorities in general, mm-hmm. right? We understand that there, like, and there's, you don't have to, like, you could you could just look it up. It's real easy. Like, I, I did some research. I've read some really good articles. Uh, there's some really good TED Talks about about this particular topic. Um, so we can't get into, like, all the issues, but there are, there are a lot of issues going on uh, where there's definitely systemic, systemic racism, for sure. That's, like, the system is set up in such a way that is, it is actually propelling certain people and hindering certain people. That's, so that's wrong. And we agree, just like Stephen said, that it is wrong to look at somebody of a different skin color, a different nationality, different background, and for you to view them as less than you. Mm-hmm. So then if that's the problem, right, if there is serious issues, then what are we to do as believers to counter this? Do I mean, do we just run up and just like burn down the courthouses or like disband the police or like as as believers, how do we then cure the problem? And Johnny kind of he already kind of <laughs> laid his cards out on the table, which is okay. Mm. And that is, so let's talk about, man, how, how, when we say the gospel is the cure, mm-hmm. is that just a cheesy statement? Is mm-hmm. that just like, oh yeah, the gospel is, a, is the cure. Yeah, but okay, but how? Mm-hmm. You tell me you're going to go up to like this protest of people and you're going to go to the, the government and you're going to preach the gospel and they're going to be like, dude. Let's fix it all. You know, how so yeah. so I want to talk a little bit about that. How is the gospel then the cure for yeah, well, racism? Uh, I wanna hit something real quick. Come I'm on, sorry. Johnny. I'm sorry. Hit it. Johnny. Hit it. So, I'm gonna jump in and say something too before we yeah. get there. So I was like, you were talking about like, do we go and burn down whatever, right? Yeah. Like Romans twelve, repay no one evil for evil. Yeah. To give thought to to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And so 
those even that in response to what happened to George Floyd that are rioting and causing violence, man, that's sin, right? Um, if, if I'm going to respond to what has happened with my own evil, I'm not doing any good. I'm just sinning and repaying evil for evil, which, mm-hmm. you know, Paul in Romans 12, 17 condemns. Um, so, so I wanted, wanted to say that sure. real quick. So don't do that evil for evil. Thanks. Yeah. I was about to, I was actually going to leave from here and do that. So I appreciate you <laughs> guiding me towards not doing yeah. that. So listen, I'm going to bring up something. You, you said it earlier. We can't touch on all the issues, but I think it's important that we do this. Mind you, this is Eli speaking. I am black, but I'm going to do something that I think needs to be talked about. Um, it's not just that the system has been set up against minorities. The system has been set up against poor folk. Like mm-hmm. black people get a lot of uh, publicity um, and there are reasons for that. Uh, Hispanic folk get a lot of publicity in their poor communities, but nobody's talking about white poor communities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, we don't. We don't want to expose that reality. We talk about welfare as uh, as if it's a minority issue. There are more white people on welfare than there are others, you know. So um, the system is unjust, and it's not just a, a racial issue. Um, th- there's also economic <laughs> disparities. Like there's just there's so much, and it, and it causes for me to to beg the Lord because I don't know the half of it. Mm. Like sin runs so deep. Like I don't I don't know the depths of it. Um, and so it begs for me to look to God, who knows all. Um, and so I'm gonna pause right now and let Stephen jump in because we've not allowed him to speak. <laughs> uh, but we definitely need to need to get to this gospel. How do we answer with the gospel? Yeah, um, it's it's super helpful for us to you know put this in a category of sin and recognize that it is uh, Christ who came and lived a perfect life and then died on a cross, rose again three days later, and then ascended into heaven and therefore defeated sin and death, um, and allows us then to enter into a right relationship with Him if we repent of our sins and confess Him as Lord. Of our lives, um, and then we are saved from the wrath of God. Uh, we said earlier, you know, um, from Romans three that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, every person out there that I know, right, has blown it at some at some point in their life. I mean, they've messed up, and they're deserving of death. Is what the Scripture says. You know, for the wages of sin is death, um, and the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, you know, the, this issue of sin is not even just an American thing. I mean, this is a global thing that's been going on uh, since Adam and Eve blew it. And so even racism and, and injustice is not just an American thing. This is a global thing. Uh, and for Christians to stand by and just say, no, I'm good. I'm not going to help anybody. Um, just displays that they actually are not faithfully following Jesus in every area of their life. Um, and it would show weaknesses in areas in which they are disobedient by not loving one another, by not actually displaying godly character. Um, and so I, I don't think that every person holds just within them the ability to change everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because I share the gospel with somebody doesn't mean everything changes. Um, but at the root of it all is sin, and sin will so deeply entangle itself in our lives, and we will get so wrapped up in it that we become just wicked people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think wickedly, we act wickedly, and we do wickedly. 
And the only way to get rid of that wickedness and unrighteousness is through confession of our sin and faith and trust and placing our faith in Jesus Christ and therefore the good news of Jesus that He died so that we didn't have to, that He can save us um, from our sins and He can deliver us from our bondage in sin. And so like the only freedom in from sin is being delivered by Jesus. And so uh, the only way that we're going to achieve any sense of uh, deliverance from even racism or any other sin is going to be through the truths of the gospel. It's going to be through mm-hmm. the scripture. It's going to be through the work of Jesus Christ um, because it's bigger than just racism. It's it's a sin issue. This is just one aspect of that. Um, and so it, it, it does. It all comes back to the gospel, the work that Jesus has done, who Jesus is, how we can then be made right and right standing with God because that's going to change every aspect of our life. Um, I do think that there are there are believers who actually do believe Jesus, but yet they still struggle with racism and they still struggle with sinful behavior. And I mean, they have to go back and evaluate the the Bible. They have to go back and read the text and allow God to continue to work in their lives to to eradicate and, and or eradicate to get rid of. Uh, yeah, I told you I was homeschooled, right? I don't speak well. Um, to get rid of all the sin in their life. Like, this is an ongoing battle daily for me to put on righteousness and to take off unrighteousness. And so, like, I man, there's a process that people have to go through, too. You don't just get saved and now everything's right and mm-hmm. I just don't ever have any struggles anymore. No, like, this is a daily grind of going going before the Lord and, and asking God, where are the shortfalls or, or the shortcomings in your life? Where are the pitfalls? Where are the things that you struggle with? Um because you might not have known that that racial issues were an issue until you're put into a, a situation and where you find out, man, that's that is where you're at and that's where your heart is and your heart's wrong. And now you gotta go back to the gospel, you gotta go back to the scripture and say, Lord, fix me. Mm-hmm. This is wrong in my life. And so it does all come back to the gospel. Man, so um you're right. Like I was telling I was telling the guys earlier, when we uh when we talk about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I like to camp out in my in my justification. <laughs> I like to camp out in being forgiven. I like to camp out in the fact that, oh, now I can be obedient to the Lord because he's given me his Holy Spirit. Um, but the aspect of the gospel that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, now I like to shy away from that. And I think uh, one of the reasons why this um, murder of a man has been so attro- uh, like it's been so horrible is because you have, like, for those who have watched, um, and I have not watched the whole video, but for those who have watched eight plus minutes, close to nine minutes of a man having his life taken from him by another with their knee on him, rocking back and forth, a technique to separate the shoulder or the jaw from the esophagus so that I can close off that windpipe. Like, even to hear that and to sit in that is like, oh my gosh, my stomach feels disgusting. Mm. Like that's gut wrenching, um, man. When I watch Passion of the Christ, I know people say whatever they got to say about it, but it's like I don't, I can't, I, I got to get prepared to watch that because when I see yeah. the way in which they treated the depiction of Jesus, I'm like, man, that's horrible. Yeah. And so a lot of times when we talk about the gospel, we talk about that good part. You know, we don't want to deal with the disgusting nature of sin, yeah. and and that to me is problematic, mm-hmm. right? We need to really, like Christ, when he talked to people, right? I'm thinking about the woman at the well. He didn't just say, come and get life if you believe in me. He exposed the nastiness of her nature. He, he didn't shy away from it. Mm-hmm. He exposed it, right? 
later on in John, he says, I am the light of the world. <laughs> Those of you who remain in me will not live in darkness, but will have life. Um, as, as believers, we know full well, if you've trusted in Jesus uh, truly, genuinely, it's because you were aware of your sin. And that sin, yes, Christ said, like, go on and sin no more, right? You've been given the righteousness of God. Your sin is no longer remembered, meaning it's not held against you. But Christ died for the sin of the past, today, and tomorrow. We're in this process of sanctification because we have to grow into becoming more and more like him, which means there's going to be more sin that's in our lives that get exposed, which is why the gospel is so important 24-7 because if you leave me in my sin, I'm hopeless. In mm. knowing the righteousness and holy nature and justice of a holy God, like all those things and more is what's important to be to be you know put in the situation, right? So one of the things that that when I talk to people about this circumstance, they're like, uh, you know, they say, "Man, I want justice," and I can affirm that, right? Mm-hmm. Like justice needs to be had, and I'm like, "What's your what's your vision of justice?" Well, this cop's job should be taken and he should spend some time in jail. And I look at him and say, that's not justice. He murdered a man. He should die. And folks are like, really, bro? Like, that's a little harsh, right? No, it's not. Do you know, my God, he said the wages of sin, singular, is death, right? So, yes, they should die. And then you want to talk about these looters and these protesters that are destroying businesses that are... Uh, some has a theory that people are getting paid to get shipped into a city that they don't even live to destroy this place. Do you think that's right? No, they deserve to die. <laughs> like, dang, really? I mean, they just broke. No, they should. They should die. Um, the, the the how I talked about how I responded to everybody who reached out to me, judging them, I should die. Like, I'm not free from this. Hmm. Nobody is free from this. And God hasn't changed, right? We like to say, oh, God of the Old Testament was like serious business, but God of New Testament, he's so loving and gracious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, his, his, his delay in coming is so that we would repent and know that when he comes back, he ain't coming back as a baby. He's coming back as a mighty warrior, king, who's going to make his enemies his footstool. They said his robe is drenched in blood. Like, I'm not trying to see that, that Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And so since the, the, the wages of this sin is death and I deserve to die because I have sinned, past tense, I am sinning and I will sin. And, and we need to be very specific about that, right? Not, pray for me and my sin. Like, what are you talking about? I don't want to talk about it because it's disgusting. I don't want you to think about me a different way because of my sin. Are you kidding me? That sin is not too great for my king, my God, my yeah. savior who died for that. Right. We can look at David and be like, man, the crap he did to Bathsheba and to her husband, who was more righteous than he like, that's wrong. Mm. Yeah, it is disgusting. It's horrible. It's evil. It's murder. It's 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 wrong. And there is justice that needs to be had. Now, that child that he and Bathsheba had died. Like that sucks. You want to talk about uh, this not being an individual thing? Think about the, the Gibeonites who Saul wanted to obliterate. Mind you, in Joshua 9, thank you, Ranjur, for bringing this up. In Joshua 9, there was a treaty that was made between these people. So there's a famine in the land. Like, everybody's being affected. Three years, right? No refrigeration. There is no, how do we store this food? How do we 
do I mean there's preservatives, but I can't imagine just salting up my food. So, uh. but anyways, they had this stuff going on. If something don't happen, there's gonna be many people that die from starvation. There's gonna be many animals that have to die because, and so David inquires of the Lord, what's the problem? Yeah, the wrong that Saul did before you of being disobedient to a treaty that was made, though it was made in deception, years before him, this is why there's blood or this is why there is a famine in this land and people will die. So what should we do? He has to go to the Gibeonites and ask them what should happen. They say, give us seven descendants of Abraham. Like these seven dudes, what did they do to deserve to die? Somebody got to take the blow. And so with all of this being the case, right, there's another passage that Ranjir brought up in Deuteronomy 21 talking about murder and nobody knows who the murderer is. Well, the elders have to come out and measure from where this dude is lying to all of the cities surrounding him. In all of those cities, whoever's the closest one, then those priests have to come out and they have to do judgment. They have to get a cow who has not been yoked or hasn't done work, bring him into the river, slit his neck, break his neck. Something, someone has to die. Like nobody's clear from it. Mm -hmm. Nobody's free from it. So we could talk about that in this situation. We should die. That officer should die. The way in which people are responding should die. Now, I'm going to bring this out, and this is a touchy subject, and I'm not, it is what it is. I don't know what got George Floyd in that position. Right? For me, this is, this is where I need sanctification and growth. Like, I don't think that there are people out there that just simply want to kill people. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against the rulers and authorities and principalities in the, in the heavenly places. Well, what got that man in that position? I don't know. Hmm. But if he's sin, he deserves to die. My God, it's, that's tough to even say that. But that's the reality of what we are in, in a, with a holy God who made it all. It's not just simply, ah, oh, this person was this person and that person. This was no, we deserve to die. And then you get the one who was perfect. You look at Abraham. You look at Noah. You look at uh, Isaac. I'm sorry, not this Isaac. This Isaac's perfect. No, I'm just playing. You look at Moses. You look at David. You look at Saul. You look at Solomon. You name it. You go down the list. And you're like, man, you were almost there, but you jacked up here. And then Jesus gets on the scene and he's perfect in every way. He says, listen, if I've sinned, come at me. Come at me, bro. And they couldn't do nothing. Hmm. He's finally here. He's finally like he's the perfect one. And it's like, man, we can celebrate because he's here in the same token. Like the, it says that God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him bodily. There's no other human that could take on the fullness of God but mm -hmm. Jesus, born of a virgin, right? That sin nature that comes through the blood was not coming in Jesus. He was fully man, fully God. He's here. But because of the effects of sin, this dude's blaspheming against God. He don't know God. No, you don't know God. And the one in whom he sent his son, Jesus Christ, that's eternal life, that you would know them. So he's finally here, and in the same token, it says that the Lord was pleased to crush him. Mm -hmm. So he was pleased to put all of the grotesque nature on Jesus for him to die because we put that on him. We were the ones who sinned. He didn't. That's right. Now, he had to take the blow for us, but his sacrifice covered it all. 
Now we can be reconciled back to God. Now, as we consider the reality of our sin and the reality of his just nature, his righteousness, his perfectness. Man, if he don't die for my sins, we should be pitied amongst all men because I'm done. It's a wrap. It is a wrap. But if he did die and if he rose again from the dead, I don't have to fear death. I have to trust in him. There's no other way. There is no other way. And so now I can have life in him. And the way in which I look at people, I can't just judge them. Matter of fact, he got guards up against that. You, you don't want to forgive? My father ain't going to forgive you. Really? No, nah, I don't want to go back down that road. Right? So the changed nature of the heart, the circumcision of the heart that's talked about in the Torah, right? The new covenant. Now we can have life. Now we can be obedient to God the way in which we're supposed to. Now we can love him the way in which we're supposed to. That's where the answer is. Mm-hmm holistically. But even in that, after that, he says, you are going to be judged by the works in which you do. When he comes back, you won't be judged to condemnation. But the work that you do, believer, follower, little Christ, you'll be judged for. So be mindful of how you work. Sorry I went on. Nah. But that's what, I'm, Stephen, you ain't got to worry about it, bro. I'll take up all your time. <laughs> well, I wanted to jump in and say a couple things. Yeah. Uh, you know, you brought up some some great points in this podcast. It's going to just be longer today. It's fine. Um, you bring up the the reality that all men will die yep. and that all of us are deserving of death because of our sin. Yep. Um, we certainly would look at different situations and say, man, I wish I wish it wouldn't have gone down like that. Mm. Um, we, we face the reality that man, we all we all do actually deserve to die for our sins. Um, and, you know, brings up this the reality of what happens after death Um and there, you know, there is a heaven and a hell, and mm-hmm. those who do not have salvation will go to hell, and those who do have salvation will go to heaven. Those who have a right relationship with the Lord, you know, go to heaven, and those who don't and they reject Him go to hell. And it brings about this this very real, urgent reality mm-hmm. that, I mean, people are going to die all around us all the time. Mm-hmm. And if we are indeed believers, and we do say we care about each individual, we are then. Um, you know, commanded by the Lord right. as a believer to share the gospel. Right. And, and there's a sense of urgency there to where, you know, we want to say, man, if, if I could have shared the gospel with, with this person before they passed away, maybe they would have gotten saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's a sense of urgency where I have to now look at everybody I'm around, everybody I come in contact with and say, man, am I actually doing my part by mm-hmm. sharing the gospel with them? Because mm-hmm. their day could be today, could be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we have to live with a sense of urgency and the reality that God has commanded us as believers to love one another, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Neighbor is whoever we're coming in contact with, whoever we're around, you know, any other person. Um, we are to, you know, love them. We're to love the Lord and then we're to love our neighbor. We're to love those who are around us uh, as we love ourselves. And if we want ourselves to be saved, then we want that person to be saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. being faithful and obedient in that. You know, the scripture says in, in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, that today is the day of salvation. Like, man, there's a sense of urgency there. We must go. Mm-hmm. And we must share the gospel. Not that we wish one to die. Nope. Um, and, and if you do wish for folks to die, um, you're certainly not reflecting Christ in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, scripture says, Jesus says, uh, or I guess it's, Peter says he wishes for none to perish. Right. Um, you know, it'd be from Jesus. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll get it out right at some point. But um, yeah, God wishes for none to perish, and so 
Uh, it grieves the Lord anytime someone dies and they don't know Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because He is holy and because He is righteous, then we see uh, I mean, His justice goes forth. That's right. And He is so holy that His judgments are pure and they are right. And He's not going to um, allow folks who don't know Him to, to dwell with Him on high and to be in His holy presence mm-hmm. for eternity. And so... There is a reality for all believers that we must. Our, 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 the greatest way we can act and the greatest way we can respond is with a sense of urgency to share the gospel, to love our neighbor well mm-hmm. uh, as we love ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if that means that you see someone that as less valuable than yourself, and you're wrong, and that's not okay, yeah. uh, that's not loving them well. It doesn't matter what skin color they are. doesn't mm-hmm. matter what... Um, Socio background they have, or uh, you know what economic standing they mm-hmm, have, doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether they're rich, poor, um, private or public. Like it doesn't That's matter. Right. Uh, what matters is whether you, they are living, and then do you share the gospel with them? Do you love them well as you love yourself? And so, uh, you know, if, for all of our people, I would say, man, ask yourself this question: Are you loving people around you like you love yourself? If you want yourself to be saved, do you want them to be saved? Mm-hmm. Do you want them to know Jesus the way you do? And if that's the case, are you doing something about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to say loving loving them as Christ has loved us. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes yeah. our our understanding <laughs> of loving ourselves is trash. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good word. <laughs> All right. So, man, we've covered a lot of things. I'm grateful though. I'm grateful. Okay. So, you know, now we understand as we as we look at the gospel as not just a cheesy saying that it fixes all things, but in actuality, it it permeates everything That's we right. do, every thought we have, every action we take. Like that, that is what the gospel does for us. And so, as we allow the gospel to just take apart who we are and reforge it, mm-hmm. remake it, form us and shape us into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about so. What is our response then? Understanding that the gospel is this amazing thing that desires reconciliation, not just of color or of background, but the gospel is about reconciling dead people who are enemies of God and making them alive and and allowing him to adopt us. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's an amazing picture of reconciliation. So I just want to, want to talk about well now what do we do what do we do as believers what's our response to all this how do we like what do we say so for me um and my personal goal in all of this is I, I want to call evil what it is and i want to speak the truth of the gospel into it um so even in my own life as i examine my own life and i i think about my own prejudices and and, and my own shortcomings and I need to speak the truth of the gospel into my own life, right? So, um, man, I was bought at a price, the same as Eli was bought at a price, the same as Stephen, the same as Isaac, the same as everybody that I look at around me. Man, we were all bought with the price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, man, how dare I assign more value to myself than somebody else that Jesus died for, right? So mm-hmm. I need to apply the gospel in my own life. I also need to apply the gospel when I see evil. I need to speak out against the evil that I see. Mm-hmm. Um, when I see somebody murdered, it's not the time for me to be quiet. I need to say, man, that's evil. That's wrong. That's sin. Oh, and by the way, here's the solution, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Um, so if you're listening to this and, and you're wondering, what can I do? What should I do? Um, man, speak, speak the gospel into your own life and speak it into every opportunity that you can when you see evil. Man, I'll say I'm, I'm, I'm working through um, kind of the right now uh, responses to do, right? Um, uh, because I, I am convicted that, man, the legislations that we put in place, the, the, the new laws that we'll put in place, um, they'll seem wise for a moment. Uh, but when that flesh is raging, it's, it's going to find a way around those man-made rules and, and it's going to do what it wants to do. Um, so then in Colossians chapter 3, it says, look to Jesus. Um, so there is a reality for me that, man, that's where we have, like, we, I have to continue to look to him. Um, as I said earlier, I like to camp out in my justification, my forgiveness. I like to do that. But there's been something in really, like you said, calling sin what it is, acknowledging that this is horrible, uh, spending time in the lament, um, but not as though I have no hope. That's right. Right. Um, I can't just sit in lamenting and uh, in uh, pain and, and that sorrow as if Jesus ain't saved me. I can't sit in as if Jesus ain't coming back because he is. Right. Um, so. So, yes, speaking into these things I, for, for me right now, I don't want to jump into that so soon. I want I want people to really wrestle with the gross nature of sin. And not just that sin is out there, but that sin is in here, you know, because that in light of a holy God, we have to come to the realization that we need a savior. I I can't I can't do it myself. Um, We need a savior. And so for me right now, right, like that's that's not the end all be all for right now. Man, I got to I got to recognize sin for what it is, not just out there, but in here. Um, sit in that until I, I'm grieved and convicted by the Lord because of that, and then turn to Christ. Um, and in turning to Him, and it changes my perspective of people. It changes how I want to treat people, because that grace that was given to me, I have to extend it. Like there's no, to me, there's no logical, other logical way to do it. Like that's the only way to do. Like you can't be unforgiving to somebody when you've recognized your forgiveness. Like. So that's just where I am right now. Um, that may change or be, you know, you know, fluffed out later on in life, but that's just where I am now. So fluffed out, I like that phrase. You know, fluffy got to be somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, I'll kind of end my time talking with this. I guess uh, uh, there are uh, many people I think who really do desire to help people change with an eternal perspective. So. Uh, if I focus all my attention on some type of law change, behavioral change, social reform, something like that, um, man, those things are just tempo- temporal. Like they're they're temporal. They're they're only going to last for so long before somebody else changes them, or for until there's something else. And those things are good. Like I, if we can do that, let's do it, right? I mean, if there's things that need to be done, if we need to change things, like let's do that. Uh, and if you if you have the ability to do so, then do so. Like don't just stand by. Um, but that's not the end of everything. Um, so as believers, like, man, we need to be eternal-minded as well and realize uh, I would much rather have somebody change their life so that they know Jesus and they, they, they now change their whole eternity more so than uh, I desire for them to have 
you know, a, a more comfortable life here on earth. Like I actually desire them to have a, a better eternity than I do uh, a comfortable life. But if I, if I recognize something, if I see something, uh, if there's anything that I can do to help people have a more comfortable life or, uh, to, you know, to change the, the, the I, I guess, any, any type of injustice, if I can change that, like, man, I need to do that. I need to love people where they're at. But I, I don't just see that as the end all. Um, and so changing, uh, changing people's uh, current status is not the end all. It, it, it's, it has to be a, an internal perspective, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and you brought it up, man. It's, it's a, we live in an already not yet kingdom, you know? And so there is a reality of some people will say, well, I need to be focused on the eternal and not really spend a lot of time in the temporal. But it's like, you know, we got to be both, you know, and that's that for me. It's an understanding of my citizenship in heaven. Like, how can how can Paul say that I, too, have been past tense seated with Christ in the heavens? Like, I'm right here in Wake Forest, North Carolina, Richland Creek Community Church. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I ain't there yet, you know, but no, you are there. Like, it's so I have to be mindful of both, right? Mm-hmm. And so that for me is is where I'm struggling because I have to do something now. <laughs> like, uh, you know, we talk about the Good Samaritan, man. If he would just say, look, brother, like, you need to trust in Jesus and you will have life. Like, you might die in this ditch, but you will go to heaven. Like, that ain't right. <laughs> you know, Jesus denounces that. So I have to, like, for me right now, it's like, Lord Jesus, like, what do I do right now, right? And I think it's good to be in a place of inquiring of the Lord. Like, what do we do? Because there has to be something done now. There also is a reality that there is an eternity that has to be at stake. You know, when Jesus dealt with folks, he dealt with both, right? He dealt with their physical need now, but he also taught them through that physical need the eternal realization of what's at stake. And so, um, man, we can't be inactive, but man, Lord Jesus, help us. Help us. We need you. Yeah, like so for me, um, this past week of just trying to understand all this stuff. Uh, actually, like last night, for example, I was just sitting in my bed like, dude, all this sucks. <laughs> yeah. I was so depressed. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful in the sense that what, it, what this has done is because, at least for me, and I don't know if it is for you guys, but for me, sometimes this life, it just seems so good, you know? Like, ah, oh, dude, this place is bomb. Like, I don't need to go to heaven. I don't need to be with the Lord. This place is pretty dope. I would rather him just wait because I'm having a good time. I, I Maybe that's just me. I'm sorry if that's just me. But I'm confessing that it's just me, maybe. Um, but, dude, stuff, there are moments where the Lord just reveals to me, this is, this is not the place I've made for you. This is not the place I've made for people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do something about it. Don't fall in love with this world. Mm. Because this type of stuff happens in this world. Atrocities happen in this world. Hate happens in this world. That's what this is. It's not going to be like that forever. And so for me, like I found a really sweet, worshipful response in understanding, Lord, I am grateful that you are coming back and that you will make everything right. And what that has done for me, it is is kind of placed everything in perspective. Mm-hmm. Where now that I've had 
sweet time with the Lord and understanding, God, I'm, I am at the end of my rope. I have no, I'm, I'm appalled. I am saddened. I'm grieved that all this is happening. And instead of placing all my hope and all my joy in this world, looking it to the one to come, but what that's done for me is it's, it's charged my prayer life, like for real, like, Lord, I need you Mm -hmm. because I'm hurting. And I know people are hurting. I need you to comfort them. I need you to send people to comfort them. Lord, I need you to give me opportunities, eyes to see the brokenness around me where maybe they don't have hope and this is all they have. And this is not it, son. And I want to be able to come to them and say, this sucks. And I'm going to mourn with you and I'm going to hurt with you and I'm going to fight with you. But I also want to preach the gospel to you and let you know that this is not how it has to be. This is not how God intended it to be. And so for me, my response has just been, um, again, just worshipful and understanding that I need the Lord and I'm so grateful that he's coming back. I'm so grateful that he's on his throne. I'm so grateful that he's going to restore and, and fix all this. And I'm also honestly motivated more to not... And, and prayer is doing something. But I, for me personally, I've not been charged to like, hey, I need to go like do reform or something. For me, it's like, Lord, I don't feel equipped. I don't feel capable to do this. But what I can do is I can pray to you mm-hmm. who is capable, mm-hmm. who, is, who is almighty, who can fix this, who can change hearts. I can't do that. And so honestly, for me, the... The best thing that this has done for me is just making me realize the 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 reality and the need for a prayer. And I've just I've just been on my knees, just in prayer. Lord, this is broken. Mm-hmm. I want you to fix it. And so, hundred percent agree, Isaac. Um, for me, and I'll let these be my final words for this episode. Um, man, I'm living in the all in the already not yet, mm-hmm. right? And. I need to do something now, but I'm also looking forward to the future, right? Mm-hmm. And so now I need to be vocal with the gospel. I need to um, fight for my brothers and my sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to grieve with them. I need to hurt with them. Um, but I'm also looking forward to, to one day, right? Um, and, and I'm encouraged by the words in Revelation 21 uh, where it says this, God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Amen. And praise God that through the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, we will one day uh, be able to dwell with our gods where there will be no more pain, no more crying, mm-hmm. no more injustice. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we will be with God. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and if anyone has anything else to say, okay. Um, yeah, in closing, uh, don't give up hope. Um, I think that's a that's what is holding at least me together mm-hmm. <laughs> right now uh, is the hope of the Lord Jesus. Um, but also, don't fall in love with the way things are fight for fight for justice uh it's funny that uh all this is happening like in proverbs one i taught uh last week for life groups and and solomon just tells you straight up man i'm writing this so that you'll be righteous that you'll fight for justice and you'll fight for integrity 
Mm-hmm. And that's what we should be doing. Um, and and that that's it. That's done in a myriad of ways. But doing nothing is is not the right option. Right. You know, seeking the Lord to try to learn what to do, I think, is really important. So, um, thank y'all for coming on. Thank y'all for talking. Thank y'all for listening. For those of you who are listening, um, thank you, Eli, for coming on, being a special guest for us. No doubt, bro. Thank you for your mustache and your beard and your curls. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks. No, thank you. Seriously, this has been awesome. Love y'all. Um, so if you have any questions pertaining to this topic or any other topics, you can send in questions, thebreakdown at richlandcreek.com, thebreakdown at richlandcreek.com. Uh, we'd love to answer them. Uh, so other than that, we will see you guys next week.